Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Lots of audio in this one to play. Lots of audio. Uh, plenty of education-related things, too. I've got a few stories and then a bunch of jab-related stuff. A lot of, lot of updates, a lot of moving and shaking right now when it comes to jab-related stuff and, of course, mask wearing and all of it. I mean, there's no doubt it's never really left. Uh, and say basically saying that it's coming back is, is an understatement. It, it, they most certainly are bringing many things back. And it's not just our government, of course. It's the Canadian government and governments all over the place. So they've received their orders, and they are following them to a T and looking ridiculous as they do it. Unfortunately, there's some media people calling them out in that process as well. Uh, what else here? Okay, well, I'll just get into it. First of all, let me mention this from the last episode. A couple of updates and a couple of rather interesting things taking place here. You may recall, of course, in the last episode I was bringing up at the very beginning, you know, the, the bread and circus nonsense and, and everything that that is. And then I brought up the NCAA's policy on paying student-athletes for their likeness and things of that nature. Again, there's no doubt that the University of Colorado and Deion Sanders and his entire family, who, who have seemingly taken over the place for the most part, and I'm sure that's not you know, that's not welcome news for a number of people, certainly individuals who maybe live there and, you know, just are trying to get by and do whatever it is that they're trying to do. But either way, uh, I've mentioned before that one of their, one of his younger sons has a social media account on YouTube called Well Off Media. The reason I'm mentioning this is that they, of course, are constantly promoting what his own brother and his dad and his family are doing on a constant basis. And again, I know someone would say, well, Sean, that's capitalism. He gets to do it. What's interesting, of course, is that he's doing it w with, with regularity. It's basically his job. I'm sure his dad is paying him to some extent to receive some of the, you know, in, in an effort to receive some of the kickbacks that go along with these new NCAA policies. But again, they're promoting their own family. And they're doing all of this because, again, they know that the more they put their likeness out there, the more money they're going to receive. So my overall point, just very briefly, I think, is, is the following. These individuals, again, that wear crosses around their necks and, and claim to be uh, you know, lovers of Jesus and, and readers of the Bible and whatever else, but then they are gluttonous in so much of their behavior. And they're, you know, just the constant self-promotion and look at me, look at me and all the attention grabbing. I'm not sure that's really a good thing. Again, you've heard me say the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And that's, of course, a very well-known saying. I think the same is true with Deion Sanders and that whole sports world and importance on sports that is going on out there. I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that they understand, and they clearly don't, that their dad is jabbed and that the reason that their dad is falling apart from the feet and the toes up through his legs with all the blood clots that have been removed, the amputation of toes, and so on and so on, that that's all because of the shots, which of course begs the question, how many more of them have taken the shots? And then when one or all or most or whatever end up falling as a result of the shots, what happens to your self-promotion then? This is really going to get hairy going forward for a lot of these sports-related people. 
Because again, the more that become sick and the more that drop dead as a result of the shots, what are they going to do? I think the cover-up is still going to continue to take place. But again, there's just a lot, there, there's so much uh, unethical behavior surrounding the entire thing, and it really is disgusting. I just kind of wanted to make that sort of general point that now again that they're all in the self-promotion business and sharing one another's likeness and so on and so forth, they're basically helping one another become multimillionaires again just through self-promotion as college students, I might add. But again, let's face it, you know, if you're playing basketball and, and football, you're not really attending college for the book learning, if you know what I mean. So there you go. There was also this, and this was, uh, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read this and I'm going to let this sit with you and, and you can think whatever you'd like, but I don't think it's an accident to say the least. This was making the rounds yesterday regarding Aaron Rodgers and the Jets game. So on 9-11, of course, they basically at New York, at, at MetLife Stadium in New York there, they were recreating sort of the 2001 football season as much as they could. Aaron Rodgers holding an American flag runs out on the field between two silver pillars mimicking the uh, the trade towers to some extent and then ends up of course going down with what appears to be a Achilles injury here's where it gets real interesting a David Zaslev if I'm saying his last name right don't know don't care tweeted out at approximately four in the afternoon that Aaron Rodgers, I'm just going to read the tweet directly, on, again, September 11th, he said Aaron Rodgers is going to tear his Achilles on a rain-drenched MetLife turf in two and a half hours. By the time it was 6.01 p.m., that tweet had received 10.1 million views. And as we know, that's what happened. There's also this, then, from another Twitter account where it says, wow, this is wild. We all know the NFL and all professional sports are fixed, but literally Warner's executive officer, David Zaslov, giving away the script. On 9-11, 22-year anniversary, the master builder, Rogers went down on the 33-yard line, 33, at 11-19 in the first quarter, 9-11. Uh, Zaslav's account is now suspended. David, David Rockefeller is smiling in his grave. All the world is a stage. Yeah. And again, here's the biography on Wikipedia of this David Zaslav. He's an American media executive, Jewish, uh, also who is the current CEO and president of Warner Brothers. Discovery after becoming CEO and president of Discovery Inc. in, 26, in 2006. Rather. Zaslav oversaw changes in its channels, which largely, which largely shifted from education-oriented programming to reality television. In April of 2022, Zaslav oversaw the merger of Discovery and Warner Media into Warner Brothers. Discovery, and later the renaming of the streaming service HBO Max into Max. 
He's been strongly criticized for his business decisions, including removing titles from the company's streaming platforms and canceling nearly finished projects for the purpose of tax write-offs. This is not a good person. Again, if it's scripted, then this would imply that Aaron Rodgers is faking. Of course, it was dominating you know, sports talk and this, that, and the other because they're out millions of dollars, allegedly. But let's just ask ourselves this question very quickly. We've always wondered why these individuals receive as much money as they do. And by these people, I mean the athletes. Why is it that they get paid that amount of money? Is it really that important? Do they deserve that amount of money? Are they worth that amount of money for throwing a ball around and running quickly? I just think that everybody's being had in one way or another. I'm not saying any particular thing in any particular direction. I'm simply saying you're being had. And you can shut all this down by just not watching anymore. Again, is it, you know, is the game of football scripted at the collegiate level? I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's more likely to be scripted at the NFL level, without a doubt. But both levels of play can easily manipulate the outcome of a game. And again, we know that individuals have faked injuries in the past. I mean, this has been a thing before. They overhype an injury, and injury isn't that bad. Uh, Again, you look at the whole hard knocks thing. I don't know if any of you have ever paid attention to that television show. It's been around for quite some time. I think it just used to be on ESPN, or I'm sorry, uh, HBO. And it may still just be on HBO, but you know, they follow up one particular NFL team around during the preseason and during training camp. And then they run through the whole training camp process and it sucks in football fans and they watch this stuff religiously. And I don't know, it seems like a colossal waste of time, but there's always sort of been this quote unquote curse that's associated with the hard knocks thing that if you're going to be featured on hard knocks, then something terrible is going to happen to either one of the major players on the team or the team as a whole. The same has always been said about the Madden football game, and that whoever's on the cover of the Madden football game, that something bad is going to happen to that player, that they're going to end up getting injured or injured at a crucial time during the particular season and whatever it is. Again, you know, I don't believe in those curses, so to speak. I, I believe more in a script that it's quite likely that a script would take place. They, of course, are getting paid copious amounts of money, as we all know. They're guaranteed money. Just by signing on the dotted line, they receive tens of millions of dollars. So who's to say? I'm just going to leave it up to you. Again, I don't, I don't watch it because it sucks so much useless energy out of people. And then you hear them constantly debate it and talk about it. No, oh, we have something to talk about now. And then, of course, that draws attention to them, and they get money for that, and it's just, a, it's just a constant scheme. So I would just encourage people, again, when it comes to the sports nonsense, to consider that there's more, more evil at play, perhaps, than what you can possibly imagine. Again, I could go down a million roads. Look what they did with the whole concussion thing. Remember that whole concussion discussion from years back? about football players and concussions and what it all means and let's make better helmets and blah, blah, blah. You can't put a helmet between the brain and the skull of a human being. 
So it doesn't matter what's on the outside of the helmet. Those are only for contusions and protecting contusions. It doesn't stop the brain from hitting the, hitting the interior of the human skull, which again, and that bruising and potential bleeding that is caused, that is what the concussion is. But again, they're gaslighting endless people, not just from a medical standpoint, but apparently from a ritual standpoint also. So I don't know. Turning your back on the devil isn't a bad idea is basically what I'm trying to say. Okay, speaking of turning your back on the devil, nice segue, Sean, nice segue. How about education? I'm going to kick it off with some uh, audio here. Got this from a listener of the show who you might be familiar with. This individual's emailed me. They live in New York. Let me read a couple of emails they sent here, and then we'll get to the story. They said the following. See the link above. Third day of school. And the middle school gets back-to-back threats. Not sure if it's real or fake, but but know for sure that it's a distraction from learning. My youngest actually has some of her neighborhood friends questioning, or I'm sorry, requesting homeschooling from their parents. Even at 11, they know that it's all bullshit and unproductive. Take care. Yes. And here is that story with the audio to accompany it. Give this a listen, ladies and gentlemen, in 321, and this is East Greenbush Schools, it says, to remain in lockout after two threats in two days. And this was on September 12th of this week. So here we go. Tonight, state police and the FBI trying to find the person who called in unspecified threats to the East Greenbush School District two days in a row. Those threats have forced all school buildings in the district into a lockout protocol until further notice. Dan Levy has tonight's top story from Rensselaer County. The school-wide ordeal began here at the Goff Middle School on Monday when someone left a threatening message overnight on the voicemail. Even though that threat was determined to be a hoax, the district isn't taking any chances. Out of an abundance of caution, the district will continue to start each day under a secured lockout until further notice. That directive posted on the school district's website, along with a message from Superintendent Jeff Simons, who wrote, It is understandable that students, staff, and families may feel unsettled, scared, or frustrated by the events of this week, or all of the above. I share these feelings with you. I will never understand why some people want to scare or hurt kids and educators. Wednesday will be the third day in a row for the school district buildings to go into lockdown. It means no unwelcome visitors are permitted into the school and students must remain inside the building, including during recess or gym classes. Among the other safety protocols that will be in place, there are safety teams in each school. There is a locked single point of entry. All visitors must sign in. Security cameras will be monitoring all entrances. There is an integrated security system in all school buildings, and students and staff have already undergone safety drills. In addition, East Greenbush police will have beefed up patrols and presence on all school campuses, and state police and the FBI will continue to hunt for the person responsible for the swatting inconvenience. According to the Anti-Defamation League, in 2019, there were at least 1,000 swatting incidents reported across the country. Each one of them is estimated to cost at least $10,000 to the affected community. In East Greenbush, with coverage you can trust, Dan Levy, News Channel 13. Now, before I make a few comments about that very revealing audio, 
Um, here was the follow-up email they sent me. They said, yeah, it's wild. We have helicopters flying around the school and everything. Nothing says back to school like trauma-based mind control. No kidding. And then they said uh, that their kids are really enjoying the Abeka program, and it's very responsive throughout the day if their wife has questions about it. So that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And again, regarding their previous email, I love the fact that 11-year-olds are going home and telling their parents that all of this is BS and that uh, they're done with the games and the nonsense and they want to homeschool now. Yes, because if you can read and write, you can teach yourself and you don't have to be a part of these CIA, FBI school districts who are hunting down an alleged person who made an alleged threat. Which, of course, leads me back to the audio. I have to revisit this because it matters. The CIA and the FBI have been and are always tied into American K-12 school districts. Public, private, charter. Does not matter. It could be the most Catholic of Catholic schools. It doesn't matter. They're tied in. They're involved in all of them. In the last episode, I gave you a gazillion reasons as to why the Department of Homeland Security is directly involved, and they openly admit it. They openly admit to giving these school districts copious amounts of money. Quarter of a million dollars here, half of a million dollars there, upwards of a million dollars there. It's a constant thing. This is being done to normalize these lockdown police states. That's the entire purpose. It has nothing to do with learning. It has nothing to do with anything that's healthy. It is designed to create more prisons within the mind of the child and the brainwashed adults who work in these environments. That's it. That's the whole point. Fear, demoralization, control. And it's all based on a lie. They're never going to find this person because the person was probably working for the CIA, the FBI, or the local police department. And it was probably some random note or some anonymous random email using a VPN or a thousand other track, you know, uh, I don't know, cover up tracking devices that could possibly be used so they can't link it back to any one place. But don't worry, everybody, we're going to be on the trail of this invisible person, and eventually we'll find them. No, you won't, because it was one of you who called in or one of you who sent the email. That's the whole scheme. And then, of course, the news outlets and that news anchor on the, on the field there, in the field, on the ground rather, references the ADL. The Anti-Defamation League says, well, then that's the giveaway, isn't it? Maybe the phone call came from the ADL. I'm telling you, if you don't leave these school districts, you're being manipulated by all of those three-letter agencies, including the ADL. These are not good people. They do not like you. In fact, I've got to mention this, and I, I wasn't going to say anything about this, but this is, this is interesting. And Again, part of this you've heard me bring up before, but it really does bear repeating, certainly within the, the times that we are living in. And sort of these resets that are consistently happening, of course, and uh, the constant manipulation. 
when you when you examine false flags, one of the things to always think about, as you heard me say back with Uvalde, and then I've of course accurately told people beforehand what would what would likely occur in the next fake false flag school shooting, which did happen regarding Nashville. I said back with Uvalde, what are they going to do? I said they don't have broken glass. Apparently, you know, as the story went with Uvalde, the kid was shooting outside of the school and there was broken glass everywhere. We didn't see a single piece of broken glass from the media. Not one. Not one bullet hole through through a window. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The, the alleged, you know, teenager walked right in and then whatever. It was action and then everybody was doing what they were doing to... uh you know, solidify their their Oscar nomination for that entire fake shooting. But regarding Nashville, what what did we finally see? We saw a person walk up to the doors and shoot through the doors. Glass broken everywhere. Therefore, the whole locking your door thing basically gets thrown out the window. That that no longer becomes a safe uh, you know a safe measure to take because if they have a gun and in particular a rifle then they can just shoot through all of the glass. My point is is what have we not seen yet? After the Nashville thing, I said on this show, what we haven't seen is an explosion. What we haven't seen is a building on fire, a school building on fire. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because yes, that is a viable scenario. That's a viable false flag scenario. Children, uh, you know, news at 11, children inside of this building were burned alive because a crazed person went in and set the place on fire and the kids were trapped and they couldn't get out and they're presumed dead. Parents are reeling and blah, blah, blah. It's only a matter of time before something like that will occur. We haven't seen explosions yet. We haven't, as I, was, as I jokingly said back during Nashville, we haven't seen bazookas, have we? We haven't seen hand grenades. We haven't seen these things, which again brings me not sort of away from the school realm just for a second, but to this. I came across a video the other day, and it was what I would assume was Israelis inside of a mosque, and they're walking around what what seemed like the basement of a mosque, and they're they're doing whatever they're doing, but they're talking again about how easy it could be to bring a mosque to the ground by, again, planting explosives and this, that, and the other, and then blaming it on someone else. That right there is also a false flag scenario. In order to stimulate war or a missile attack or something else down the line, that has not been played out yet. Yes, we've had the fake synagogue shootings before where there isn't a drop of blood and not a single body comes out in a body bag. Um, You know, we've had the alleged white supremacist enter a South Carolina church and shoot some people allegedly and whatever else. We've had had these church-related shootings, the old fake Christ Church New Zealand thing, Again, I don't think that was real. I really don't. It looked like a giant scripted thing. But what have we not seen? We haven't seen explosives, and we haven't seen a building 
in particular like a mosque or a synagogue or something like that, catch on fire or explode and then have Christians be blamed for it. I'm just throwing this out there. Keep that in mind that that is a viable scenario for a false flag that has yet to be played. To my knowledge, it has, to, it, it has yet to be played anyway. But it's, I think, only a matter of time. Just throwing it out there. Again, bringing it back to education here. Same thing with a school. The last mass explosion that occurred in a school, I'm going to get the year wrong, but it was either back in the early 1900s or late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. And again, it was a guy who lost for school, you know, lost uh, his position on the school board or something along those lines. He went home. He was angry. He killed his wife, burned his farm to the ground, uh, including his barns, and then came back to the school and planted explosives in the school and blew up the school, killing a bunch of kids and staff members. So we just haven't seen that yet, and I just, again, I just want to bring that again to the forefront because we have proof beyond a shadow of a doubt now that the Department of Homeland Security, Freemasons, the CIA, the FBI, local law enforcement, sheriff's departments are all involved in this. If they're all involved, the ADL is also involved, the Anti-Defamation League. These are the individuals, again, who surround themselves with these government, private, and charter schools. Do you trust those agencies? Because, again, those are really the puppeteers. Those are the groups that are really pulling the strings here. My recommendation is to leave. That way, when you're out, you can start to see it a little more clearly as to what's really going on from a distance within these environments. You'll look at it with brand new lenses. So there you go. Throwing that your way one more time, again, I think it's only a matter of time regarding all of those scenarios. So there you go. Then there's this, the constant incompetence of administrators at the K-12 level. This is from 1819news.com, quote, he, uh, was he hurting anyone, it says, quote unquote, father of Jefferson County Elementary School student suspended for making a finger gun defends his son. You know, the old, the finger gun with your hand, the, that, that basic gesture. It says the following here, rather short article, a parent of a Jefferson County student who was suspended earlier this month for pretending his finger was a gun in, the, in a game of cops and robbers, spoke out during Alabama Unfiltered, the show apparently, on Montgomery's News Talk 93.1 on Tuesday. Quote, I was really shocked that this happened in Alabama, said Jared Belcher, whose son attends Bagley Elementary School in Dora. Quote, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had happened in, say, California or New York, but I never would have expected this to happen here, unquote. Well, that right there should show him and everybody else their level of naivete when it comes to the people who work inside of these buildings and the kinds of people that are recruited to work inside of these buildings. It doesn't matter where you live. It could be the reddest state in the reddest county, in the reddest town on planet Earth. 
doesn't matter. If you get left-wing ideologues in your building, you're going to get responses to something innocent like this. It continues, it says, Belcher said that administrators at the school called him on Friday, September 1st, to tell him that his six-year-old first grader was suspended. I asked her, can you tell me why? And she just said, he was using a finger gun, Belcher explained. And then I thought, there's got to be more to it than this. After arriving at the school, he and his wife met with the assistant principal, Donna Page, who once again told them that their son got in trouble because he and another boy were playing and using their index fingers as make-believe guns. Do these administrators sound like they are of sound mind to you? Do these administrators sound like they drink in the Kool-Aid on a constant basis? Yeah. They are not of sound mind, and they are drinking in the Kool-Aid constantly. You can't make a finger gun because every school shooting is real, and you're panicking people around here, and we can't have that. It continues, quote, Was he hurting anyone? Belcher asked. Was there any violence or physical contact? No. Was there hostility? No. Was there any indication of a current or future threat? She said no. I said, it kind of just sounds like two boys playing cops and robbers. And she said, that's what it was they were playing, unquote. Belcher said that his son, so she agreed with him, but still suspended him anyway. Belcher said that his son had never had any disciplinary problems in the past. Quote, this happened one time and this went zero to 100, he added. I told her in the meeting, quote, I'm not going to punish him for this, uh, Belcher added. In fact, when we're leaving, I'm taking him for ice cream, unquote. Despite his story being taken up by national outlets like Fox News and the Babylon Bee's non-satire news feed, Not the Bee, Belcher said that he has yet to hear from Bagley Elementary Principal Amy Dawson. According to Belcher, school officials issued his son a Class 3 violation, the most severe disciplinary infraction category in Jefferson County schools, which includes significant crimes like bringing a physical gun to school, issuing a bomb threat, or committing sexual assault. There you go. He said the school later tried to lower the infraction to Class 2, which still includes a half-day suspension. But Belcher is still putting up a fight. His attorney sent a letter to Jefferson County Schools on Friday demanding that the school remove any record of the criminal infraction from Belcher's son's record, unquote. Stop sending your kid to that school building. In one fell swoop, they just proved to you that the assistant principal and the principal of the building and whichever individual initially made the complaint, probably a school teacher, are completely incompetent. There is another element of this that, that just has to be brought up. It has to. And it's the element of overweight, miserable, childless, or divorced women. Okay? Now, <laughs> you, can, you can say whatever you'd like, but I'm here to tell you, school buildings are filled with miserable women. It's not all of them. I know that. But there are plenty of them there that have had serious trauma 
in their lives, usually from failed relationships, and then they look at boys in a completely different light, and they take out their inter you know their their inner angst and uh, and hatred toward men out on innocent boys who are playing because either they don't have boys, they don't have children, they don't understand the basics of play, and they're just flat out stupid. This is an ever-present element within these environments. They're called misandrists. That's what they are. They're misandrists. They hate men because they are men. And because they've either, again, been in a bad relationship or, or they've been divorced or they're a single parent or divorced multiple times, it's not just the, the teenagers or, the, or the, the male children that they look down on. It's actually even male employees that they work around. I've experienced some of that from some of the most miserable women in the business. Same thing. They look at you and they see, you know, a healthy, strong, intelligent male, and they just seethe. They just constantly seethe. And you can see, you know, the fury in their face. Why are we letting that man talk? Men don't, you know, I, I can say what I want to, and I can get as loud, and I can get louder, and blah, blah, blah. Cool your jets. Cool your jets. Go on, you know, go out back, hose yourself down, and relax for a little bit. Take a deep breath. Sorry you've had failed relationships. You know, that's a two-way street. Probably half of it's your fault. The point is, is that that right there is a huge element in these environments, which is leading these environments to, of course, be agreeable. That's one of the reasons, I've, as I've brought up numerous times, that's one of the reasons why these environments are as agreeable as they are. Because again, they, women, t- women tend to agree with one another. I'm, I'm not saying it's like that all of the time. I know that it's not. But if you have shared trauma among a group of women who tend to operate in cliques within a professional environment, and that environment just happens to be a school building, that has children in it, or male and female children in it, clearly, they're going to take that out on somebody else too. And it's not going to matter the age. I mean, they're going to they're take that out too. This is also one of the elements why female teachers, and don't worry, I'll get into the male business in just a second, but this is also why you have copious amounts of female teachers um, offering themselves up sexually to male students. Same kind of thing. Older women, some of them, of course, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and even older, failed relationship, not receiving attention from men outside of the school building. The most attention they're receiving from men are male students inside of the school building, as far as they're concerned, because they have clearly you know, a predatory way about them. And if that's the case, then what are they likely to do? It just increases the odds, again, if they come from either failed relationships or a divorce or not receiving attention. Well, if they're getting attention from male students, then it's easy picking as far as they're concerned. So they do what they do. They flirt, and then that flirtation turns into online communication in many cases or whispering behind, you know, uh, I don't know. I've never done it because I'm not a weirdo, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. You see the slippery slope there. 
Now, is the same thing true for men in the environment? It sure can be. And does that have to do with previous relationships or current relationships that they're in? Yeah, of course. Again, I've worked with, I've, I've worked around predators in these environments who are also male. There's no doubt about that. And in these environments, when you get men and women working together where they're seeing each other five days a week, the sexual relationships that occur among coworkers is absolutely incredible. Now, full disclosure, I've never dipped my pen in the company ink, not once. I never had a relationship ever of any kind with anybody that I've ever worked with. Not ever. Hand to God. He knows it. <laughs> it's, it's, not that, it's not that I didn't receive ten, attention from women that I worked with. It's, it's, I mean, it, that happened. But I always denied it. In fact, a very long time ago, you may recall, I told a story about how a secretary actually invited me into her office to ask me if I was single or married. And when I, and, and oh, I'm sorry, uh, no, it's coming back to me. She called me on the phone in the middle of my class. And she said, uh, and she said, hey, can you talk? And I went, no, <laughs> it's, I'm in the middle of class. Is there an emergency? And she goes, well, I just wanted to talk to you. So um, are you single? And I went, I'm, I'm going to hang up now. Goodbye. And I hung up the phone and I continued teaching my class, uh, trying to not be confused as to what just occurred. I later went into her office and I said, what was that? I said, you interrupted my class. What the hell was that? And she said, and this woman, again, she's borderline retarded, but I mean, she, she looked at me and she said, you know, sorry about all that. I, I, just, I just wanted to know if you were single and if you were married. And I said, no. And I said, and that's none of your business. And then she said something like, well, a friend of mine um, is single and she sends her kids here and she saw you walking out of the building into your car. Um, and and she's, she's interested in talking to you. Would you be interested in talking to her? And I looked at her and I said, no. And she goes, why? And I said, I just said no. And I turned around and I walked out. After that, she spread a rumor around the entire building that I was gay. See what I mean? This is the environment. I mean, this is this is the environment. <laughs> it, it goes, it it, it because it's as trivial as gossip, and it's as serious as the NSA. The or not the NSA, but although why not at this point? Department of Homeland Security, CIA, FBI running false flags. Does any of this sound healthy? Again, back to the male aspect of it. Are, are male teachers and administrators predators? Of course they are. Of course they are. But what, wh where does that come from? It comes from the same stimulation that the female will experience also, whether that be trauma in a relationship, neglect, uh, you know, wh whatever it may be. It's the same kinds of elements. And if men are predatory in the environment, much like women, they, they become clicky themselves too. The predatory, uh, the predatory teachers, male or female, will surround themselves with one another because that's what they talk about. They talk about students. They talk about other staff members. This becomes casual talk in the course of their day. Does it sound like a professional environment? 
No, it isn't. It's disgusting. And at the teacher education level, there's not a single professor that I've ever heard of address any of that with any regularity, with literature, peer-reviewed books, XYZ, with any of their students at the teacher education university level. This is why the profession fails. It's because of all of these reasons. And then to bring it back to the finger gun story, you end up with irrational behavior around student play. Because why? They're unhinged. The people running these places are typically unhinged. I know that was a long rant about a number of different things, but I think you get, you know, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Okay, there is that then. Moving on. Let's, let's ease our way into the jab talk, shall we? And this is, of course, university-related and high school sport-related as well, specifically high school sports. This comes from the Epoch Times. It is titled, COVID, this mysterious COVID thing, cancel, uh, cancellations are back, it says. California high schools cancel football games. Esparto High School near Sacramento confirmed it canceled a game after it said six players tested positive for COVID. Uh, what is going on? What's going on? None of these individuals read. They don't read. They just react to what they are told. It's the world's worst game of telephone. And it just keeps getting played time and time again. Here's what it says. Can't believe I'm reading this. Quote, two California high schools have confirmed that they've canceled football games because of the COVID-19 cases among students. No. They're jabbed with permanently ruined DNA. Or they're not sick at all. And they're not jabbed and they're just having fun with everybody because they're taking a false test that doesn't test for anything. It's one of, one of the two. It says a Sparto High School near Sacramento confirmed that it canceled a game, blah, 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 after six players tested positive. Okay. It also stated that multiple players were also injured and that it didn't have enough players for the game. This comes as there have been concerns that virus-related rules might be re-implemented in the coming months. Quote, ensuring the well-being of students is not only a moral obligation, but also a legal and ethical obligation. District Superintendent Christina Granier told affiliate station Fox 40, Dr. Amy Sisson, the Yolo County health officer, told the outlet that she supports the move. Uh, what did I say about agreeableness earlier? Quote, our role in the health department is to support our schools in being able to stay open. For that in-person instruction, she said, we provide support, certain tips on what to do when there are cases, uh, when cases provide testing resources. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. But really, our goal for this school year is to keep kids in school in person, but also to do so safely. Unquote. <laughs> These people are so stupid. They're just so dumb. I almost feel bad for them. I want to pat them on top of the head and say, aw, 
I'm sorry. It continues, hundreds of miles away, a high school north of Los Angeles also confirmed to local media outlets that it canceled a football game against a rival school multiple, after multiple rather COVID-19 cases were confirmed among its players. We have an outbreak. Santa Paula assistant principal uh, Daniel Guzman told the Ventura County Star, the number is rising, he said. Mr. Guzman was referring to multiple cases among its football and cheerleading squads. Quote, football is a part of our little town's DNA, he said. But suddenly, safety is a priority above all. Well, I know what's a part of your DNA now. A biological weapon. (laughs) How about that? How about that being a part of your DNA? The cancellations come as a public uh, elementary school in Montgomery County, Maryland, stated that it reinstated masks, requirements, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm going to end the article there. I think you get the point. Um, Stupidity is contagious. That's really the pandemic. And it's not going away. It's a seasonal thing, but it's also year-round. So there you go. Uh, there is also this, and again, you're going to hear the stupidity in this audio. It's incredible. This is from Fox News. The title is Teens Hands, Feet Amputated After Flu-Like Symptoms. Matthias Irby, if I'm saying that right, probably not, was diagnosed with strep- streptococcal toxic shock syndrome, a rare bacterial infection. This was from September 13th. This is a uh, Fox News Molly line on the ground in Hartford, Connecticut. Nationwide spike in child respiratory illness is what she's going to report on. But regarding this kid, Tennessee family recently had to make the difficult decision to amputate their 14-year-old's hands and feet to save his life after what started as flu-like symptoms in mid-June. Is he jabbed? Yes. Because you don't get your hands and feet cut off if you're not. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Diabetes, okay, but that's not usually among children. Diabetic injuries related to the limbs, loss of feeling, things of that nature, that can happen with older adults and overweight adults. Lack of blood flow, things of that nature. This kid is athletic looking and healthy, but jabbed? Yeah. Anyway, here's Molly Line from Fox News talking about all of the fake respiratory illnesses that are just randomly popping up when, in fact, we know why. It's because of the jabs. And, of course, she talks about uh, respiratory syncytial virus. And here's the push, of course, for that entire jab to make its rollout. And people who take that, of course, are going to drop over also. But give this a listen in three, two, one. Molly Lyon has more on this for us. She's live in Hartford, Connecticut. So, Molly, uh, this is happening everywhere, we're hearing. 
Yes, for, uh, hospitals from Texas to Washington, D.C. are in near capacity in places. And here at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford, the National Guard confirms for us that they sent a representative to a site feasibility meeting. A potential mobile field hospital was discussed as one resource to help deal with the significant surge in respiratory sisal virus cases, although the planning was viewed as very pre-decisional. The virus more commonly known as RSV is very common. Almost all babies get this virus by two years old and recover, but sometimes it can be serious and even life-threatening. Symptoms include runny nose, cough, fever. In more severe cases, children experience difficulty breathing. Experts say it's extremely rare to see so many cases so soon in the season. Hospitals from New York to Connecticut to Illinois to California to here in Texas and Oklahoma, we are seeing um, cases of RSV surge beyond what is expected for this time of year. It is not uncommon for me to see a child from Oklahoma, New Mexico, Louisiana, who has been sent to Cooks because the hospitals in their state do not have any more beds for them. Many health experts believe the end of pandemic mitigation strategies like isolation and mask wearing is contributing to the spread. Because of um, the pandemic and people isolating themselves from each other, Several of these young children did not develop any immune response to these ordinary, common, everyday viruses. There are doctors that suggest it is time to get those masks back out if you're concerned about this illness spreading. They also advise getting your child vaccinated for both, for both flu and COVID-19. Sandra? All right, Molly Lyon there in Hartford, Connecticut for us. Molly, thank you. I'm sorry, what was that, doctor? What was that I heard you say? Something about children not having an immune response to quote-unquote viruses? No immune response among children. Hmm. What's that mean? It means AIDS. That's what it means. It's called AIDS or VADES if you want to get fancy as a result of, of course, being jabbed. And what's Fox News' recommendation based on doctors? Well, mask up and get all your jabs. Fox News is responsible for murdering people. See what I mean? It's right here. You can't make up this kind of stupidity. I couldn't script it. Somebody scripted it, certainly Satan, but someone did. And I can't believe that they continue to say this. Fox News has employees who are dead from the shots. They do. I'm sure many of them work behind the scenes and aren't even on camera. I remember old Uma Pemiraju, former Fox News anchor. Well, she's dead. Then, of course, you have the triple-jabbed Neil Cavuto's who are somehow still walking around. It, it blows me away. But again, if, if a, if a low-level employee at Fox News buys it as a result of the jabs, which you know they have, they're not going to report on that. They're not even going to make mention. They're not going to say, well, one of our staff writers passed away over the weekend. They're not going to do that. They're just going to keep reporting the news, continue to tell people to wear your mask, take your shots. Uh, what's wrong with these people? It's just awful. Okay. Let me get into this now. Lots of jab stuff, plenty of audio. First of all, this shouldn't surprise anybody. It's not really even a new thing, but YouTube is making the extra step here to censor as many people as possible regarding any medical advice or anything jab related or anything 
regarding health care or even quote unquote sick care, however you want to phrase it. They've completely changed their algorithm yet again. They're cracking down yet again so that you cannot find factual information about what's really going on. And then, of course, the algorithm is going to push all of the fake UN, WHO, WEF messages to the forefront. You've heard me mention in the past that I've paid attention to YouTube solely from a scientific standpoint and from an observational standpoint. I've played audio from, from YouTube clips numerous times here over the years and, uh, and, and brought it up with regularity, again, regarding their hypocrisy, but also the frequency with which they play those videos and those videos find their way immediately to someone's YouTube feed. This is going to kick into high gear now. And here is a Dr. Berg uh, on YouTube describing this very phenomenon that is going to happen yet again. It's about three and a half minutes long. Give this a listen. He describes it. Well, it's official. YouTube has just now banned anything related to health that doesn't align with the general medical consensus. So if any information related to health doesn't agree with the World Health Organization, they won't necessarily always take down the, the video, but they're going to change the algorithms. So they're going to replace those videos that were popular, that had lots of likes and lots of engagement with medical information. This new partnership with YouTube is supposed to protect you against misinformation and promote high quality health information. And their definition of misinformation is anything that opposes their Viewpoint. I mean, if you go to drberg.com, you will see that I have 7,607 success stories. I'm helping people, I'm giving people lots of non toxic solutions. And if you just read the comments, you'll see that a lot of people are being helped. So my information is not dangerous. It's not misinformation. It's actually quite helpful. And this new change is going to hurt a lot of people because they're not going to be able to find alternative viewpoints alternative opinions. Sometimes medicine doesn't work. You know, looking for inexpensive natural remedies to handle certain body issues. But guess what? Now they're going to have a very difficult time finding those solutions because all these medical sites are going to replace alternative health. I mean, I used to rank for so many conditions. Now you can't even find me unless you type Dr. Berg slash whatever. And even on the keto diet, I have 928 keto videos. That's right, 928 videos. Guess what? When you type keto diet, you can't find me. Instead, the number one ranked video is from Mayo Clinic, okay? And the comments are turned off. And you can see the likes are actually not very high compared to the number of views. I think they have like 260,000 views, but very few likes. And it's an anti-keto video. And I'm going to share some interesting things in that video. But I first want to communicate a couple things. You know, a long time ago when Google started, they had this motto, and that was, do the right thing. And then they changed it to, don't be evil. And now I don't even, I don't even know what, if they have a motto. But you think just giving people this one medical viewpoint, this monopoly over your body, your healthcare, you think that's going to increase the quality of health? I mean, basically this move, is going to wipe out the competition and competition competing 
viewpoints and opinions are very, very good in the healthcare field because it forces everyone to raise the bar and do better at getting results. And how do we trust this medical group uh, with all the strategic alliances and the strategic partners? The strategic alliances with Big Pharma and how they partner with medical universities and medical journals. How do we trust that? Like I said before, their definition of misinformation is basically any information that opposes the medical viewpoint, the medical consensus. How do we make sure they're transparent with all the conflict of interest, the strategic alliances and the strategic partners and what they call the stakeholders, which some of them are part of industry. And of course, the revolving doors with all the directors. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. Real quick sidebar here. I mean, the, the keto diet is fraudulent from, from my professional opinion, based on what I've read about it. It leads to um, a lack of caloric intake, which of course you need for energy and a thousand other things, these diets, fads, whatever. Anyway, that's my little criticism of that. His overall point, of course, is sound and 100% accurate. Again, they've made waves like this on YouTube before and all these platforms, but what I find funny is that the very people who are consistently complaining about what YouTube is doing, they never promote all of the other outlets the way that they could. I mean, if you're going to criticize YouTube, great, do it. But at the end of that sentence, make sure you say, Gab, Telegram, Bitshoot, and Rumble. That's all. Those are the four outlets that everybody should be saying with regularity, and they don't. I also find this remarkably ridiculous that these cuckservative individuals, like the Tim Pools of the world, rarely to never say Bitshoot or even Gab. They don't bring them up. Why? Why don't they mention it? That should also tell you, of course, why is it that Tim Pool is still on YouTube? Well, he doesn't talk about the jabs, does he? He doesn't talk about all the people dying. He doesn't talk about the fact that it's a biological weapon because Tim Pool's bought and sold. He thinks he's the cat's pajamas and, you know, therein lies the problem. He is a part of the problem. But all of these individuals, again, criticizing YouTube and all the crackdowns on free speech and the censorship and the communism and all of it. The next words out of your mouth should always be Telegram, Gab, Bitshoot, and Rumble. And mention those as places to go for people to find factual information. There's always, of course, AmericanEducationFM.com. Just throwing that out there, too. It's amazing. So you have YouTube doing that. And then you have all of this happening. And I'm going to read now the headlines here from Dr. Mackis's, uh Substack channel from this week, and there have been many. The first one is titled, MRNA Injury Series, Pfizer and Moderna MRNA Vaccines Attack Bone Marrow Stem Cells and Drastically Alter Gene Expression, which is, of course, your DNA. Researchers are also using lipid nanoparticles MRNA for gene editing. And then he reviews three studies that have to do with that. The next one, uh, it has to do with fetal deaths and congenital abnormalities. Now, why would YouTube want to censor something like that? Here's another one. 
mRNA injury series, blood clots in arms, legs, lungs in young COVID-19 mRNA vaccinated men, kind of like the young kid I mentioned earlier. Quote, never seen so many clots in someone still living. 20 cases and recent research reviewed, which includes eight papers. Here's another one. This was in, uh, you know, this one is interesting too. And I'm glad I'm, I'm mentioning this one. Want to make a little sidebar on this also. A long time ago, you may have heard me say uh, it would have been 2000, uh, let's see, it would have been 2021. Back in the spring of 2021, when people started to talk about myocarditis, I specifically brought up that when you replace an organ in the body of a jabbed person, whether or not that organ that is being replaced is being replaced due to the jabs, although it's most certainly the case, that when you do that, for example, say a kidney or a heart or whatever it may be, you still have damaged DNA. You can't, you can't transplant your DNA. So when you take an organ out and you put a new organ in, let's say from an unjabbed person into a still jabbed human being, the likelihood of the body accepting that organ is slim and none and slim left town. So there's a specific case that Dr. Mackis references here. It is titled MRNA Injury Series again, Transplants, Children's Hearts Destroyed by COVID-19 MRNA Vaccines. Their heart transplants are not going well with complications. Transplant medicine is a complete disaster, unquote. Again, think about some of the people maybe in your own life who you know to be jabbed, and maybe they've had just sort of like a basic routine surgery of some kind. How quickly did they heal? Again, when you, when you damage the DNA, which controls your immune system and cell function, you're preventing the cells in your body from doing the thing that they're supposed to do when it comes to healing and getting the body back into a normal state of affairs. If that sounds like common sense, well, yeah, it is. See, this business of medicine and healing is not complicated. If, if, you, if you take a garden hose and you turn on the spigot, and you start jabbing holes in the hose, are you going to get full flow water out the end of the hose? No. You're going to have leaks everywhere. And if you attempt to section off a particular hose that you're attempting to replace, are you still going to have leaks other places? Yeah. And if you even section off that particular you know, portion of the hose, so to speak, metaphorically, of course, is it going to be the way that it originally was intended and originally designed? Of course not. You can't replicate God's initial design. You can't do it. That's why you have the Klaus Schwabs of the world and, and Hollywood and a number of, other, of these other individuals making movies and trying to normalize growing babies in pods. This is a thing. They're doing this. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to predictively program into people that a day will come when you can purchase a baby that they have grown in a Petri dish. 
Only Satan would want to normalize such a thing. But you can't, you can't do that really with the human body. The more surgeries a person has, the more you're tampering with, with God's design. The more poisons you ingest and put into your body, the more you're tampering with God's design. And as we know, the worst way to do that is by injecting yourselves with things for which you can't name a single ingredient because you've blindly trusted the people who do it. And you've blindly trusted the people who push it. And then you blindly believe the outlets like YouTube that are consistently shoving it into your face as if this is the thing to do. Same thing with Fox News, as I just mentioned, and so on and so on. There's also this. Again, another reason why the, censors, why the censorship is kicking up. Last one from Dr. Mackis here, mRNA and pregnancy. Brain-damaged mother and a dead baby after one Pfizer COVID-19 mRNA vaccine at 14 weeks of pregnancy. The tragic story of a 38-year-old Australian Army veteran, Heidi Sturbeck, if I'm saying that correctly. They have a picture of here, of her here in fatigues and uh, the face paint holding a rifle. And then the next picture is her unresponsive, brain dead in a bed with all of the tubes sticking out of her. And then the dead child that apparently was born after the fact. Uh, it's just awful, beyond awful. But YouTube doesn't want you to know about that, and neither does Fox News. So always keep that in mind. These are not our friends. These are the enemies. These are the people who we cannot let uh, claim plausible deniability as a result of you know, their, their open participation in this. It's beyond disgusting. Now let me play this, because again, this will contradict what I will read next. Cicely sent this my way from Instagram, a little Instagram video here. A bunch of new nurses receiving instruction on how to dish out shots to people. So give this a listen in 321 as to how brainwashed these people are. Classes in session here at the county's Immunization Skills Institute training program. Hi, everyone. My name is Oleana Rodriguez. I'm a public health nurse here with the county. Over 100 healthcare providers are getting a refresher course on handling and administering flu, COVID 19, and RSV vaccines to the public. Winter season, uh, winter holidays is when we see the highest impact. So there's a lot of uh, preparation in the summer all across the country, and we are working very closely with our community partners to help them prepare for the flu season, which will happen in the fall. Do you all have five-eighths needles or no? Just the one inch? The trainings are like a boot camp for healthcare providers and include hands-on opportunities to practice how to safely and compassionately inject vaccines, which are the best protection against influenza. This is a skin pad simulation. Perfect. Uh, individuals will inject a vaccine or basically a saline solution into this uh, skin pad to practice the delivery of vaccine safely, effectively into an arm of a future patient. We'll be going through intramuscular, um, subcutaneous, and intradermal, which is why we have these nice little pads here. Participants also review vaccine transportation procedures, including packing specialty coolers with ice packs, and then making sure all storage requirements and temperature standards are met. 
right now. We have Novavax, um, Pfizer, and Moderna. These are all of our COVID vaccines that we currently distribute, um, as well as Genios, and we have some MMR, Tdap, and polio. A portion of the training covers properly filling out documentation, reporting requirements, quality assurances, and quality checks. Practicing now will mean a well-prepared, highly skilled response team this flu season. And that's our main goal, working with you all to be able to have this community live healthy lives. Uh, they're excited, they're prepared, they're eager. This is really a hero-making factory here. And these heroes are ready for a flu fight. In the County News Center, I'm Anita Lightfoot. <laughs> Heroes in the fight. Heroes in the fight. Yes, that's right. Heroes in the fight. Do I have to say anything else? Do I really have to say anything else? <laughs> I, I got nothing. I got nothing else. I'm spent. I'm flipping spent. Ugh, I, I, you know. These people, these poor, poor, poor people, they're all jabbed to the bone. Their entire profession is a lie. Everything that they believe is a lie. Everything they say isn't true. Honestly, if you want to survive, listen to people like that and then understand that the opposite is the facts. Walk into a hospital, ask them a question. The opposite is the truth. Walk into a school, ask them a question. The opposite is the truth. Ask government a question. Hey, government, I got a question for you. Oh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. The opposite is the truth. I, I don't know what else to add. Let me add this, though, because this really, I do know what else to add. I'm going re to read this. This comes from. Uh, Dr. Lapido, if I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, I always butcher his name, Latipo, the State Surgeon General of Florida. I'm going to read his, uh, his guidance for the COVID-19 booster shots. He, of course, has come out and said no one should take this. And you're not going to believe at the very bottom of this what the advice he has, and it's four bullet points on how to stay healthy. And it doesn't include injecting yourself with anything. Shocking. It actually is remarkable common sense. Uh, here we go. This was his guidance for COVID-19 boosters on September 13th of 2023, which, by the way, keep in mind how many state surgeon generals aren't saying what he is saying. Keep in mind how many governors have not said publicly yet the way that other governors have, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders and a number of others, have come out and said, we're not doing mask mandates, we're not doing jab mandates, that's not legally allowed in our state any longer. Which governors aren't saying that? Because on one hand, you have in New York, Governor Hochul saying, forget about all the past jabs you've taken, they don't do anything, you now, you now need to take the most current ones. This woman is a murderer. But here's Dr. Latipo, MD, PhD, and he says the following in this memo, quote, 
As the federal government makes new boosters for COVID-19 available, the Florida Department, there is no COVID-19, honest to God, but either way, continues, the Florida Department of Health Department reminds healthcare providers of their obligation to remain up to date with the current literature related to the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. A new mRNA COVID-19 booster was approved on September 11th of 2023, interesting timing, don't you think, by the federal government. While the initial mRNA COVID-19 vaccines were authorized by the United States Food and Drug Administration utilizing human clinical data trial data, albeit false, and only under emergency use authorization, Doc, you might want to might say that, these are not FDA approved. It says the most recent booster approval was granted in the absence of any meaningful booster-specific clinical trial data performed in humans. In both cases, the federal government has failed to provide sufficient data to support the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines. Healthcare providers are are expected, rather, to include the information in this guidance in discussions with patients regarding mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. It says, quote, in bold letters, right in the middle of the memo, based on the high rate of global immunity and currently available data, the state surgeon general recommends against the COVID-19 boosters for individuals under 65. Individuals 65 and older should discuss this information with their healthcare provider, including potential concerns outlined in this guidance. No. No. I'm telling you, Latipo, you just swung and missed, big boy. You just swung and missed. Nobody should take these, regardless of age, disability, if you walk around with a peg leg, it doesn't matter. And you, you know, and you say, R matey, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a pirate in the middle of the ocean. No one should take these. Nobody. Shame on him for saying what he just said there. Shame on him. That's awful. He continues. Says providers and patients should be aware of outstanding safety and efficacy concerns. Well, good. How about death? Does he include death in this list? Let's find out. Bullet point number one. Throughout the pandemic, studies across the geographic regions have found that mRNA COVID-19 vaccines are associated with negative effectiveness. After four to six months, after efficacy waned, there is no efficacy at all. Studies showed that COVID-19 vaccinated individuals developed an increased risk for infection, which means there's no efficacy and it doesn't wane because it was never there in the first place. This is not found in other vaccines, including the flu vaccine. Well, you're an idiot. Oh my God, these half-truths and all lies that this guy is, is telling. He's not, he's not one of the good ones, ladies and gentlemen. He's dancing around the issue. He's dancing around it. There is no flu. It doesn't exist. The flu vaccine is a poison wrapped in a fairy tale with a bow on top to sell to people as being a yearly poison for people to take to prevent against this invisible thing that doesn't exist. 
Ah, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Sorry, I gotta keep going. The mRNA COVID-19 vaccines present a risk of subclinical and clinical myocarditis and other cardiovascular conditions among otherwise healthy individuals. Good. Yep, that's true. There is unknown risk of potential adverse impacts with each additional dose of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. Currently, individuals may have received five to seven doses and counting of, the va- of this vaccine over a three-year period. No. Well, first of all, yes, that's true, but the first part's wrong. There isn't an unknown risk for potential adverse impacts with each additional dose. There is a very known risk for each additional dose. Didn't earlier in his memo he said he say something about staying up to date? You know, like this. Let's stay up to date, everybody, with uh, the current literature. Has he not read that the that the more shots you take, the quicker you die? Has he has did he skip over that? The last one. Elevated levels of spike protein from the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine persist among some individuals for an indefinite period of time, which may carry health risks. He should have said, including death. But he didn't. Left that crucial part out. Now here's the, uh, the, the health tips he has. Again, common sense. Improving habits for overall health help manage and reduce the risk of serious health problems such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and obesity. The state surgeon general and the department continue to encourage Floridians to prioritize their overall health by, number one, staying physically active, two, minimizing processed foods, three, maximizing vegetables and healthy fats, and four, spending time outside to support necessary vitamin D levels, unquote. That's the end of the memo. The half-truths in this and the lies that he, that, that he says in this document, in the, in the body of the document, and then the warnings are still going to get people killed because health officials will read this, regardless of their political persuasion, and they'll find the points in it that they want to find. And then they will ignore the points that they want to ignore. It'd be far better for him to say, this is a categorized biological weapon. Under no circumstances should anyone take it, and it should be taken off the shelves immediately, and the people who use it should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Because it causes people to die. That's what he should say. He's not saying that. Too bad. In fact, the CDC is saying this. This is directly from their website. It says the following, quote, Estimated COVID-19 hospitalizations prevented versus potential myocarditis cases for every million mRNA COVID-19 vaccine doses, 12 to 17-year-olds. It then says, Per million doses in 12 to 17-year-olds over six months. 19 to 95 hospitalizations prevented, so they say, for every million, just within that age group. 5 to 19 ICU admissions prevented, 
zero to one death prevented. The CDC is admitting that the shots don't prevent death. Of course not, because the shots cause death. That's what's happening here, and they're admitting it by using wordplay. There's now this, and I want to play this. This is eight minutes long, so bear with it. It's, it's very well done. This is Professor Brian Hooker, PhD, and this comes from the Vigilant Fox's Twitter thread here. And uh, they presented a study, it says, from Anthony R. Mawson and colleagues. What they did was is they went through different age groups, children all the way through adults, and then the health problems that are associated based on those who are not vaccinated, with all vaccines, of course, and then those who are vaccinated with a plethora of vaccines. Give this a listen in three, two, one. We've come up with a book of over 100 studies where vaccinated versus unvaccinated children and adults have been studied, especially for long-term health, health outcomes. And at this point, I'd like to share my screen and just show some of the studies that we found. Uh, these are uh, the studies that I'm featuring today are con um, concerned with the entire childhood vaccination schedule and what happens when you look at completely unvaccinated children versus children who are following the U.S. CDC schedule. And so here goes. Let me try to share my screen here. OK, so. Uh, it turns out that um, despite multiple calls for this type of study, the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services in the United States in general has never done this type of outcome study. But a researcher by the name of Anthony Mawson uh, completed a study back in 2017. Uh, what this study compri was comprised of was homeschool students in the United States uh, some of them were fully vaccinated, some of them were partially vaccinated, and some were completely unvaccinated. And what this slide shows is when you lump together the, the fully and partially vaccinated children, even if they got one vaccine or more, so we were considering them vaccinated, versus those that never got a vaccine ever. And one of the things that jumps out right away is nasal allergy or allergic rhinitis was 30 times higher in the in the vaccinated group versus the unvaccinated group, and then uh, uh, somewhat lower, but between the ranges of of three to five times higher. And this is the way the book is structured. These are you know based on odds ratios, relative risks, and hazard ratios uh, that are terms in epidemiology. But we really want to distill distill it down to how many times higher was the risk for the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, and even things like autism at four point two uh, times higher. Uh, Dr. Mawson went further, and he looked at infectious diseases and infections. And what he found uh, was that um, vaccinated children were about four times more likely to be diagnosed with pneumonia as a part of the cohort. Uh, 6.4 of the vaccinated percent of the vaccinated kids were uh, diagnosed with pneumonia versus 1.2 for the unvaccinated. And then ear infections, almost 20 percent of the children in the vaccinated group had persistent ear infections versus a little lower than 6% for the unvaccinated group. 
Dr. Mawson did a follow-up study with uh, in this, uh, I'm sorry, in 2017, and he looked at um, neurodevelopmental disorders and the combination between preterm birth and vaccination. And what he found was that if a child was preterm and was also vaccinated, then they were 14.5 times more likely, not percent, but times more likely to get a neurodevelopmental disorder diagnosis. And then if they were vaccinated and not preterm, it was 2.7 times. And then unvaccinated was the reference group. And so um, he published this research paper in, in a very, you know, a frontline journal called Frontiers in Public Health, um, indexed in the National Library of Medicine. And over the first um, weekend after it was published, the, the article got over 80,000 hits within three days. And I think Frontiers kind of got out in front of themselves. They did not know what they had done. And uh, after that, the paper was pulled from Frontiers. They they claimed that it was never retracted, but it was re-reviewed, re-peer-reviewed, and then rejected the second time. And they came back and they said, oh, well, we had never really fully accepted it in the first place. And so it was it was quite an odd situation. But undeterred, uh, Dr. Mawson republished the paper in the Journal of Translational Science in 2017. Um, I did a follow-up study. Uh, and in this particular study, we looked at actual medical records from three pediatric practices across the United States, three in different locations in the U.S., and we looked at children who received vaccines during their first year of life. And if they were one or more, if they received one or more vaccines during their first year of life, then they were considered vaccinated. If they received none in their first year of life, then they were considered unvaccinated. And so the vaccinated group had twice as many developmental delays 4.5 uh, times as many uh, incidents of asthma, and then twice as uh, many diagnoses of ear infections. Uh, we also considered gastrointestinal disorders as sort of a comorbidity. A lot of times that goes along with developmental delays, especially autism. And so we looked at that as well and found that that was 2.5 times more likely in those children vaccinated in their first year of life. Uh, this manuscript was rejected by five separate PubMed index journals without peer review. In fact, one journal invited me to never submit a manuscript to them again in my entire life. So uh, it was it was uh, quite daunting, uh, but we did uh, finally submit to Sage Open Medicine. Um, again, a journal indexed on PubMed. They put the paper through three separate rounds of peer review over 11 months. It was an 11-month arduous period of time and obviously much longer than the typical peer review process for a scientific journal. And it was finally accepted by SAGE and published in May of 2020. And so far, so good. You know, I, I, I felt like I was walking on eggshells uh, when the paper was published because of the threat of retraction. And of course, the paper was fact-checked by Facebook and fact-checked uh, by an organization funded by the Gates Foundation called um, uh, uh, Health Feedback. But the paper has now been viewed and downloaded over 200,000 times in that journal. Uh, we did a follow-up study, and in this follow-up study, we looked at fully vaccinated children versus fully unvaccinated children. And the red bars of vaccinated children got much larger 
because we were looking at children exposed to the entire vaccination schedule. And so we saw things like asthma, the diagnoses really went through the roof at 17.6 times, and then ADD, ADHD at 20.8 times, and chronic ear infections at 27.8 times. And so this is very, very astounding results. Um, we did not expect to find, you know, this stark difference. And, and to tell you the truth, you know, in looking at these studies, the authors of these studies really gave the vaccination schedule a benefit of the doubt and bent over backwards not to be biased. Okay, I know we all bring our biases to the table. Obviously, I have a vaccine injured child, but still, you know, we pummel ourselves to make sure that this is fair science and that we um, and, and then struggle to get this published in peer reviewed journals. Another thing that we did in this study was we accounted for uh, breastfeeding status and we found that if a child was not breastfed uh, for at least six months uh, during their infancy, and they were vaccinated, then we saw asthma, uh, allergies, um, eczema, uh, developmental delays, autism, all skyrocketed, especially with the combination of being vaccinated and not breastfed. And this is just an example for asthma. And of course, they want the COVID jabs to be given to six-month-old babies now. Depopulation. It's that simple. It can't get any clearer than that. That's their agenda. That's what's going on. And yes, they're having a hard time getting those journals and those uh, those particular research studies, rather, to be published by journals or accepted by journals for rather obvious reasons. Because they don't want to, because, well, it destroys anything previously that they've published and they have to keep their agenda rolling downstream a particular way. Constant gaslighting. It's just constant gaslighting. Speaking of that, too, here is the, uh, this is just a minute long. This is audio from a little press conference here from the Canadian Health Department with their, well, it's a man pretending to be a woman who isn't a medical doctor and is apparently just some administrator, but you're going to hear her and the entire panel here of pseudo-Canadians representing their tyrannical government are all wearing masks. And a person in the media says, I can't help but notice you're all wearing masks. Why is that? Well, here's their answer. As a follow-up, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to take note. You're all, you're all masking, which is lovely to see, of course, but most government ministers are, are not now. Most MPs are not. Most people on the street are not masking. Is, is there any specific guidance on that going forward at, at this point? Yes, Theresa Tam. So um, it is a layer of protection. We hope people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, but for the, all the other um, respiratory pathogens that will be transmitted around this time. So I do think now is the time to get your masks ready if you don't already have them. Um, in our own particular context, we certainly in our area, there's been an uptick in some of the COVID-19 indicators. Uh, for me personally, there, there have been cases around, um, you know, my, even my work colleagues. So uh, that's one of the reasons uh, why we are wearing masks today. The lying is astounding. It's just, it's never ending and it's not, it's not going away. I want to mention this. This is a new study here. Well, I'll, I'll say this about Canada. I would say buckle up. 
buckle up. I mean, they are. It's pretty evident again that this is the slow rollout, and they're trying to normalize the seasonal mask wearing as being a constant thing, which, as you know, is complete and utter bullshit. But at the exact same time, it's going to be interesting to see if they try to push forth some kind of a law that says you have to wear them again. And you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I just know that your non-compliance has to be the answer. There is this, and this actually uh, was published at the end of July in the Journal of Neurology. And I find this interesting because this is one of those symptoms, again, that is very prevalent within the jabbed and among the jabbed. And numerous individuals have reached out to me and said that they know of individuals where this, of course, has been the case. And they've openly admitted, uh, you know, hearing people repeat themselves with regularity and say numerous things over and over and over again when normally they wouldn't do that, including within younger individuals. But the title of this study is Neurological Symptoms After COVID-19 Vaccination, a report on the clinical presentation of the first 50 patients. I'm going to read this abstract here. Uh, So here we go. It says the following. Neurological symptoms associated with severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, vaccination, were discovered in the context of billions of administered vaccine doses. The clinical manifestations often resemble post-coronavirus disease, 2019, post-COVID-19, it's not what it stands for, but whatever, syndrome, PCS is what they're calling it, post Coronavirus disease syndrome features and may be con- uh, may be considered as post COVID nineteen vaccine syndrome. So now they're calling it a vaccine syndrome as a result of, of course, being jabbed. Data regarding frequency, severity, and pathophysiological mechanisms are scarce. No, they're not. We know exactly what these are causing. The method. It says, we assessed routine clinical examinations in 50 patients reporting new onset neurological symptoms after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, including neurological examination, laboratory and electrophysiology tests, as well as self-report questionnaires measuring fatigue, depressive symptoms, anxiety, risk of somatic symptom disorder, and health-related quality of life. Patients were included when symptoms occurred after confirmed COVID-19 vaccination and without prior SARS-CoV-2 infection, and if no alternative diagnosis was found to explain the symptoms. That's pretty good, which means, again, they're taking the sample from people who are simply jabbed and nothing else. It says the results. The most frequently reported symptoms were parath. If I'm saying that right, don't think so, 56%, fatigue, 49%, and cognitive impairment, 36%. Neurological, routine laboratory, and electrophysiological examinations did not yield distinct pathological findings. Neurophysiological testing of a subgroup revealed uh, deficits in attention, executive function, and memory. For the discussion, it says the spectrum of clinical manifestations post-vaccination poses a substantial overlap 
with PCS symptoms as no pathological findings were obtained in routine diagnostics. Uncertainty remains, however, um, about the underlying pathophysiological mechanisms and requires further investigation beyond routine workup. Again, I I find it a bit hypocritical of them here in this study that they're saying that there's an overlap between those who have had COVID, quote-unquote, and those who have been jabbed, that they're seeing the same symptoms across the board. Well, well, why would that be the case? Because there is no respiratory passing of a, of a of, you know, quote-unquote COVID illness. The original jabs were the ones that were dished out in the flu shots in 2019. That's why people were becoming remarkably sick and saying, well, I, ha- I think I had COVID because it was way worse than the flu. Well, what did you jab yourself with? What did you jab yourself with? Was it a flu shot that year back in 2019? If it was, well, there's your answer. Did you jab yourself then with, a, with, with the COVID jabs in, at the end of 2019 also? See, therein lies the problem. It's all jab-related. That's the whole point. It doesn't matter which jab it is. There's no individual standalone, quote-unquote, virus that floats around in the air and transmits from person to person. Those don't exist. What exists are poisons in jabs that people inject in one another, and then they transmit those ill effects via electromagnetism from person to person. In this study, they're saying, well, we couldn't figure out uh, the difference between them. But if you recall, the first five illnesses or side effects or intentionals, whatever you want to call them, as a result of the COVID shots released from the Pfizer documents that were court-ordered, the first five were all cognitive decline. And they're not saying that they didn't see it. They are saying that they saw it. That's why they titled it what they titled it. They're seeing neurological symptoms associated with receiving the jabs back in 2019 and those who still have them in them now. I'm telling you, the the entire medical profession, by and large, clearly has no idea what they're doing, and they're continuously not learning. These administrators at the administrative level aren't learning. The conglomerates that run them aren't learning. The patients who are coming in don't know why they're even there. Again, if you go back and you listen to the last episode of the Dangerous Info podcast, what Outcast talks about regarding what he saw at the University of Michigan Hospital there regarding his brother's health scare and surgery, he said the hospital is overloaded. It's, it's just packed to the brim. He said he had people in the hallways lying in beds who couldn't get a room. It was standing room only in the waiting room. People in pain, not enough help. That's not the only place where that's the case. It's not the only place. So I'm going to wrap this up by saying this. I have two references that I'm going to put in the description below. These are big. And I have this first one um, on my website, which you can clearly check out and download for free. 
There is a group called Doctors for COVID Ethics, and Dr. Sukrit Bhakti is one of the individuals who is associated with this small group. And there's a Brian Hooker, I believe, who was referenced earlier there. There's Michael Palmer, Mary Holland, Margot Dubois, uh, David Rasnick, and Catherine Austin Fitz. These individuals have put together one hell of a document here, and the document is titled MRNA Vaccine Toxicity. It's a 160-page book with endless references. I believe it was released in August, uh, August 15th, if memory serves, but I have it here. It's, again, available for download under the Medical Documents tab on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com. I believe it's the first option right there. You can clearly see it. And again, I think a pretty darn good reference for individuals who are asleep, who have no idea what is actually happening with these shots. So feel free again and download that for free. Send it to whomever you'd like, uh, an employer, anybody who's interested in understanding that, yeah, lots of books are being written about this. Lots of documentaries exist. They have no idea that this is an ongoing thing. In fact, that also leads me to this, which will be the second reference that I will link in the description below, which is uh, the Stu Peters Network is putting together through uh, with uh, director Jonathan Otto is the guy's name, but he's putting together a nine-point or nine-part series, rather, that is titled Co-Venom. And so Dr. Brian Artis is associated with it, and he's bringing a lot of the research that he's brought to bear here regarding, again, the synthesized snake venom and the different kinds of venom that have been synthesized to be included within these shots. Lots of references throughout uh, these particular parts of this series. The most recent one is part two here, which I will link in the description below. It's an hour long. It's, It's good stuff. I mean, it's intense stuff. But uh, again, just another excellent reference, I think, for people to understand that it is the central nervous system that is being attacked here. The central nervous system runs every other body function and every other body system. And yes, almost every single uh, symptom, rather, that an individual is experiencing as a result of the COVID shots, the bioweapons, there's no doubt that snake venom is associated with it. There's no doubt. Skin lesions, amputation, blood clotting, seizures, the list is endless. It's absolutely endless. Memory loss, yeah. Blindness, going deaf. Too many to list, but I will include that in the description below also for your viewing pleasure or certainly your viewing education this weekend if you are interested. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking in there. A lot going on. And just one last thing. If we're paying attention to things that don't matter, ladies and gentlemen, during a war, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And we're doing the people around us a disservice. If they're going to stay blind and continue to pay attention to things that don't matter and put their effort, time, and money into games, gimmicks, and nonsense that mean absolutely nothing, that's their fault. We have a responsibility to not participate in that kind of nonsense. So just kind of keep that in mind rolling forward. With that said, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.